Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. All right, Annie, I've got a question for you. Okay. And I kind of already know this answer because I know you and your your quirks, I guess is the best way to put it. I'm very but, quirky. Yes. But what is something <laughs> that you would fight people on as an opinion? Something that you're like, no, th- I am absolutely right. Oh, gosh. Well, you do know me very well, so you probably <laughs> can list several things. <laughs> I unfortunately am like this. This is because I'm very competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've spoken about how I can't play apples to apples because right. I get angry. Right. And I'm I'm just convinced I'm right. Uh, also, in my very nerdy areas, I'll fight you about my opinions on Star Wars, on Harry Potter, on Supernatural. I will fight you. And I'll, then I'll back down because I'll be like, you're being ridiculous. But I'm still mad, you yeah. know? Like, I'm still mad inside. <laughs> we had a moment. We had a contentious moment when I said, when we were talking about Dean and Sam of Supernatural. Mm-hmm. And yes. because we have two opposing views, and you're like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> you yeah. just shut it down, and that's how you did it. Incorrect. <laughs> I've actually thought about that moment a lot. And I, I spoke about it in therapy, and I was like, oh, my God, my family is this family. And I understand why I was getting so riled up. <laughs> But yes, things like that, I get very passionate. And I actually um, recognized it myself uh, in middle school, going all the way back to middle school. And it was something I've been working on since then because I would get so mad about things I knew were silly. Right. Um, And I, I would have to like step back and be like, Okay, I respect your opinion. <laughs> I disagree. Like, I would have to take that, even going back to middle school. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I get passionate, too, about specific things. Although some things are just, I just want to do it to argue with you. I'm like, no. I, I don't sense know. that. I don't know. I don't know what I think, but, I, okay, I'll play this game. Like, I will yes. definitely do that. Uh, but I definitely get really heated when it comes to, like, social issues and such. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's something that I am an expert in. And I doubt myself quite often, but something yeah. that I have, like, worked my, uh, you know, ass off for, such as social work things and um, child issue things. Like, I will fight. I will fight with someone uh, yeah. about those kind of things. But outside of that... I find it kind of amusing. I will say, I still hold to my opinion on our disagreement about Supernatural, but... I have many follow-up points. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I see where you're coming from because I go back and forth of, I want to play the middle ground. So, yeah. Mm. But that's not... We're not talking about Supernatural today. Alas. Um, and before we even start, um, this is not a trigger warning, but... Doing this research was really taxing for me uh, to the point that it took me a lot longer, I feel like, to do this than even some of our triggering episodes from uh, about the Me Too, hashtag Me Too era, as well as the sexual assault, because those things I had already processed and we talked about right. it again. But this is a little bit different because we're talking a little bit more about the alt-right extremist movement that we've been seeing recently. Not seeing recently, but have been highlighted, I guess, recently. Um, And for me, researching this was really heartbreaking. Um, Seeing things like the riots and even just (laughs) the last four years of discourse and divisiveness is heartbreaking. 
I feel like there was a lot of loss of relationships because of it, worries of the state of our country, um, how do we move forward, uh, seeing just the hate in general. It uh, definitely put me in a dark place. So <laughs> this is kind of your warning. If you're really anxious about that and all the things that have been happening, maybe wait a while on this episode. Uh but I will say it's, it has a lot of information and a lot of things that I didn't know because of where we are today uh, in our government with the things that we've been seeing between all the protests and the riots and the insurrection. It does feel dark and definitely took me down that path. So just a warning <laughs> yeah. before we even start. Yeah. Um, and as we record this, it is a lovely Friday afternoon that we're tackling this topic, mm-hmm. um, uh, January 15th, 2021. As it comes out, it will, in theory, be Inauguration Day, uh, mm-hmm. which a lot of us in the United States have. We are holding our breath right. as a country of what's going to happen. Um, so I know this has been, it's been very stressful for a lot of people and um, also just wanted to point out, uh, we have, Samantha and I have done an episode on incels, which is related in the past. And then past host Bridget and Emily have done one on women in white supremacy that Bridget and I later revisited. So if those are something you're, you're looking more to get more information on after this, then that does exist. Um, But yes, today we are looking at the world of women in extremist alt-right groups, um, particularly here in the United States, I would say. But uh, definitely have uh, tentacles reaching out all (laughs) over the world. Um, With all that has been happening in the United States, we could ignore the growing number of women, and especially white women, in the movements like QAnon and far-right conspiracist groups. Um, So we wanted to look and see... What was what was happening, or rather has been happening, and the manifestation that we see of that today? Right. And please know, when we're talking about, because uh, we are going to use terms like traditional families and such, when we're talking about traditional families or Christianity and religion, we're referring to the extremist use of this, and we're not denigrating people who are religious or define themselves as Christians or those who are stay-at-home parents. Like, those are amazing things if they get you through and bring out kindness then you do you, love and do good. But that's what we would say. But what we're specifically right. talking about in this episode is the extremist uh, tactics that are used within those types of terms and uh, ideas. Yeah, kind of the weaponization of them. Um, and before we started, we did want to give you some terms to know. We wanted to define some things. So you'll know as we go what we're talking about even though I, I would guess a lot of you have a working definition, but always good to be on the same page, you know? Right. right. So let's start with extremist. Um, this is a person who holds extreme or fanatical political or religious views, especially one who resorts to or advocates extreme actions. Another word is uh, menosphere. According to dictionary.com, this is a loose network of blogs, forums, websites like 4chan, and Reddit dedicated to men's issues, ranging from topics such as life philosophies, self-improvement tips, strategies for success in life, relationships, and sex, and it is typically opposed to feminism and is full of misogyny and overlap with parts of the alt-right. Again, that's part of the dictionary.com definition. Um, And then we're also going to talk about trad wives, literally traditional wives or a woman who prefers to take a traditional submissive role in marriage. As one definition states, as an example, quote, they tend to agree with statements like a woman's place is in the home and seeks to keep traditional heteronormative ideas of families 
and homes. There is another term called shield maiden, and we do kind of reference it a little bit, but I thought it was an interesting term to know, which is a Nordic definition of a woman warrior or Valkyrie from the Scandinavian folklore. But specifically what we're talking about is the alt-right version, which is women who provide auxiliaries or support to normalize or soften white supremacy and alt-right movements. Yes, and then there's red pilling, um, which we I know we've talked about before. According to dictionary.com, it means becoming enlightened to the truth about reality, especially a truth that is difficult to accept or exposes delusions. And they go on to say, quote, online, red pill is especially used among anti-feminist and white supremacist groups to refer to, quote, waking up to the truth that women and liberal politics are oppressing men and white people. In reference to The Matrix, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunate um, taking of that idea. Also, we have uh, past hosts have done an episode on uh, men's rights movement, so that's another thing you can look up. <laughs> um, and then anti-feminist, which is fairly self-explanatory, but means opposed to feminism. Right. So one of the big things that we wanted to talk about throughout this episode and how alt-right movements have begun are some of these ideals and some of these um, mentalities. And one of them is the anti-feminist mentality. And we've talked about it before, about how many women have felt that feminism was anti-moral and for some would go as far as to say that it is stripping away the rights of men and therefore must be stopped. Uh, Anti-feminism has been around from the beginning. We all know this. And we know it continues to be a sore spot for many who feel feminism is the enemy and a brainwashed idea used to ruin their country. Mm. Um, One term frequently used is red pilling, which we just mentioned. Uh, Several different online groups use this term as a way of developing plans or ways to undo feminism. Groups like Red Pill Women, Red Pill Wives, and the Red Pill on Reddit uh, use it in order to talk about undoing, quote, all the damage of the, quote, brainwashed liberal feminist. There's going to be a lot of quotes because it's... They explain it better than we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there are many groups like this who continue to push the idea that to be a good woman is to surrender to the traditional roles of wife, mother, and follower submissive of the man. Right. So within these groups, measurements are placed to find worth of women. SMV, or the sexual market value, which I just learned. I, I, have we talked about that before? No, but there's something very similar in uh, incels with like the whole yeah, chat. Yeah, right. it is the yeah, incels, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. so which I, I knew existed, but I didn't know the actual term for. Right. So according to one article, it was explained that these men from these red pill groups and groups like this, quote, perceive gender roles as the result of sexual economics and the idea that the highest value of a woman is her sexual value and that she is most valuable when she's in her sexually pristine state. And the way to measure is to use qualities like health, age, and femininity. So the skinnier you are, the higher the value. The less partners you've had, the better. Because they write in one portion, since sex is the, quote, prime value that a woman has, the more she gives the value away, the more her value is diminished. Oof. (laughs) So now the overall polarization of being feminine and wanting to be a traditional housewife in the very heteronormative sense versus the generalized idea that you can't be feminist if you want or are these things have been pointed out as a part of the problem of the growing red pill men's rights movements. Within these communities, many say they feel as if feminism is an attack on the traditions and norms 
and is the villain of the narrative and that it was demeaning of what it means to be a, quote, true woman. Of course, it's not surprising to see that these groups and ideas uh, feel that feminism demonizes men and makes women victims. Therefore, it should be done away with as it's gone too extreme and has become, again, the enemy. As one column states, quote, I have my mind. Please stop explaining it to me. And yes, the column was written actually by a woman who asserts that this type of feminism has created the extremist response of some anti-feminists who've leaned into the red pill or trad wife ideas and lifestyle. So now we did want to talk about religion and how it's played, how it has played into these extremist ideals. So it, it does play a, a big part in extremist ideals. And like many of the different extremist groups, um, that they have very dedicated members to it. So women who advocate for lifestyles like trad wife and save the babies would more often than not consider themselves Christians or religious. And during the riot at the Capitol, uh, one of the more disturbing pictures for me was the putting up of the cross in front of the Capitol building. Um, I know that I saw pictures after the fact where they were praying there before they entered the building and before they attacked people and before they were trying to kidnap officials. Um, and I found that really disturbing because, yes, once upon a time, I was religious. And I still believe in the ideas of good and the good things in the Bible. And to see them use this, it kind of was a stark reminder of how the KKK used the cross um, yeah. when they went yeah. to intimidate uh, their victims. Right. Um and, and not surprisingly, a big chunk of the women who do follow the ideology of some of these extremist groups, yeah, they, they consider themselves uh, Christians and continue to go to these extremes to save the unborn children. I know we've talked about that a lot in past episodes. Um, the many anti-abortion groups continue to use religious ideology and concepts for their crusade, no matter the cost. And as we've, we've mentioned before, an overwhelming amount of white women voted for Trump in the 2016 and again in the 2020 elections. And many have said abortion was a big reason for their vote, why they voted that way. Uh, abortion continues to be divisive, a very divisive point for many women and has helped continue to push people into these extremes. Right. Um, groups like the Army of God use violent rhetoric in order to save the children. Under such extremes, different violent tactics such as stalking, shootings, and even chemical attacks have been used as a part of their practices. Now, many of these violent attacks are usually planned and executed by men within these groups, but many women support the efforts and are still really heavily involved in groups like this. And I feel like as of recent, these groups may have taken a little bit of a back burner to the bigger conspiracies. We know that their ideologies and stasis are still found within the middle of a lot of these conspiracy ideas. Right. Um, and then you have women like Phyllis Shafley, who led a movement to fight against the Equal Rights Amendment, and Beverly LaHaye, who organized the largest lobbying group that represents conservative women, Concerned Women for America, um, that have been a part of this uh, religious-slash-conservative movement in the United States. And though they are not necessarily considered to be extremist, they do show a link into some ideology that leads to extremist ideas or sectors. 
According to the Southern Poverty Law Center, many far-right extremist groups use, quote, religious concepts and scripture to justify threats, criminal activity, and violence. And they often exploit Christianity to recruit, radicalize, and mobilize. And as we mentioned above, issues like abortion or sanctity of family, as they believe it to be, uh, are drivers for many people, especially women who not only believe in these causes, but continue to join and fight for and encourage these types of uh, radicalizations. Right. Uh, And we wanted to look at some specific examples that we're seeing right now. Um, But first, we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsors. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And we're back with Proud Boys Girls. And proud girls. Yes. Different. Two different. Two different. <laughs> yes. Um, so just to give a little background, though we know probably a lot of you are aware, uh, Proud Boys are, as they describe themselves, a, quote, man's organization for Western chauvinists who refuse to apologize for creating the modern world. Uh, they are considered by many as an extremist white nationalist group. However, they don't consider themselves as that. Um, more so, they, they think that they are conservatives fighting against the liberals and, of course, Antifa. Antifa. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was originally created by Gavin McGinnis and still continues as they were big proponents of the Stop the Steal riot that occurred at the Capitol. And though they are known as a males-only group, They do have a couple of counterparts. Right. Uh, One is the Proud Boys Girls, which is endorsed, and I say endorsed loosely, uh, by the Proud Boys, uh, though there isn't much information on them. They do have, they did have a Facebook group. I do believe they have a chapter. It's stated on the Proud Boys site, quote, if you are and were born a woman and you would like to be involved, there is a girls group. They call themselves Proud Boys Girls. And they're our second biggest demographic, which I guess if they believe there's only two okay whatever <laughs> yeah. oh. um and it may and they also say it may seem counterintuitive that a men's only group would have such a big female following but nobody wants men to be men more than women who depend on them uh as in fact they have a little testament in there it says proud boys saved my marriage says pbg gabriella finch they actually say her name i was completely done with it but he won me back and fought hard for it um so There you go. There's a testimony if you need one. (laughs) They continue on to say, this group is full of all kinds of women, wives, girlfriends, and single girls are all welcome, just like the men's group. The girls have no other requirements about race, religion, or sexual preference, which I find hard to believe, but okay. Yeah. Um, Now, again, like I said, I do believe they have a chapter in the group, but the only way to find the chapters is to join. And I'm sorry, mm -mm, I couldn't do that. (laughs) So so it just felt dirty being on that site. But apparently, that's where they are. (laughs) Yeah. Well, another affiliation that doesn't seem to be as welcomed as the Proud Boys Girls is the Proud Girls, which is apparently a nemesis somehow to the Proud Boys. And in fact, there is some talk of them having a war of the words. Um, (laughs) But, you know, the facts on that were a little shaky. Um, The Proud Girls was created by MMA fighter Tara LaRosa, who was a supporter of the Proud Boys, but her group was specifically a Telegram channel that promoted her transphobic ideas and rantings. And apparently the Proud Boys were not happy. They declared, quote, Proud Girls was ridiculous and rioting their coattails. (laughs) 
Um, they continued by saying, want to support us? Get married, have babies, and take care of your family. And Larissa had some words for them, not only claiming herself as the noble den mother, and to the proud boys, she said, quote, all you little crybaby pecker boys, I am tougher than 99% of you alleged men. Yeah, uh, but wow. have no doubt, both of these offshoot groups are still extremist groups, even to the point that they are trying to out-extreme the other, <laughs> which yeah. I guess, okay. Um, the Proud Boys Girls was known to actually publish more anti-Semitic narratives than the Proud Boys, so there's that, I guess. Um, yeah. La Rosa of the Proud Girls continued to make sure to let other counterparts know that not only is she and her group equal to them, but that she was a street fighter and would physically fight them and the left. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. There you okay. go. Okay. Uh, well, now let's talk about white supremacy. Um, so this is one of the largest motivators to many extremist groups within the United States. From the history of slavery, the KKK, and to today's sect of extremist groups like the Proud Boys, white supremacy has been the ultimate motive and goal. And while many people would like to argue that progress has happened for racial equality, there is no denying a white supremacy has and still does exist. And as we've been saying, it's not new or a resurgence, but rather that the groups no longer care or fear any type of retribution or they, they don't hear any consequences uh, or see any consequences for their actions. And to pretend it hasn't been a main frame of our culture is to ignore what has been happening all along. Um, but one of the more stealthy ways uh, of white supremacy's continued existence is through women and the new tactics, um, or even these new newer groups. Right. So according to some reports, tradwives came from within the red pill movement um, and has grown significantly. The intent of tradwives is meant to combat feminism and encourage and embrace the, quote, traditional domestic values under, of course, the heteronormative ideas. They, like the rest of the red, red pill ideology, teach that women Women's most important goal is to learn to please men. Um, and the culture of Chad Wives use social media as a way of connecting with other women to teach each other the ways of these values. One of the most recognized Chad Wives is blogger Ayla, Ayla Stewart, who is known as, quote, wife with a purpose. She is all about teaching, quote, traditional living and parenting. And she has gained attention for her challenge called the White Baby Challenge. And yeah, as it sounds, she's encouraging for more white babies as a way to combat the decline of the white demographic. And much like the rest of white supremacy, the fear that there is currently a conspiracy, that there is a current white genocide happening, and that the only way to fight it is to have more white children. Another influencer is Brittany Selner, who has her own YouTube channel, and she, she's got a bunch of followers uh, that also uses similar tactics. Um, she often talks of how feminism is attacking masculinity and often makes the men the victims uh, because feminism is the reason men are angry and causing resentment. She states in one of her videos, quote, it comes as absolutely no surprise to me at this point that movements like the men's right movement have gained such popularity. Men are tired of being shamed of their inherent qualities such as masculinity. 
So at first glance, you see these attractive, soft-spoken women, but it's that tactic that allows for things like white supremacy to exist without too much challenge. The idea that these women who continue to play the demure, docile wife keep speaking of radical movements being a result of wars waged on them and their tradition, which is the very nature that pushes to approve and encourage the violent misogyny oftentimes seen within these extremist groups. Um, and unsurprisingly, the effectiveness of things like trad wives and red pill work as they play into the fear of the erasure of race and loss of family. Um, And with that erasing of family values and preservation of their culture. And like any organization, women have been the core and glue of their movement. Uh, Things like networking, social events, and raising children under these same beliefs are placed squarely on the shoulders of these women. But with all of this, it brings a validation of the importance of their existence and their power. As Sayward Darby, an expert in women in hate groups, writes in her article, The Secret Weapons of the Far Right, she states, quote, they are drawn by the promises of a movement that imbues their femininity with enormous power. They are told that simply by being white, female, attractive, and fertile, they'll be valuable beyond measure to a renegade but righteous cause. I found her take on a lot of this very interesting, and I think it does say a lot of the things that we're concerned about and that we are seeing. So if y'all want to check out her stuff, it's just some amazing um, research. But yeah, white supremacy obviously is about power. It's about control. And it's always about the fear of losing those things. And for many of the women who believe these possible losses, they are powerful tools to continue the spread and encouragement of these extremist movements through disinformation and yes, fear-mongering. Right. Uh, Which brings us to something we've all been hearing a lot about lately, QAnon. Um, And yes, we've already talked a bit about QAnon and some of the women involved, but we did want to look again at how women have become a part of this extremist conspiracy theory, especially given right now the grip it seems to have in a lot of what we're seeing. Um, And yeah, how it influenced people in this this last election. So, what is QAnon? Ah, uh, the question for the ages. Um, <laughs> it is, quote, wide-ranging conspiracy theory that claims that an elite group of child-trafficking pedophiles have been ruling the world of a number of decades and that Trump has a secret plan in place to bring this group to justice. Um, and I will say, when we did our mini on it, uh, I did kind of a deep dive. And to, to me, I would describe it as like, choose your own conspiracy theory. <laughs> right. Like, because I literally, not exaggerating 400 things you could like insert here, fits in with your theory, however you, you want it to. Right. And it changes because as of recently, Mike Pence has been added to one of right. the evil people. Yes, exactly. Um, in 2017, a person identified as Q started posting a lot of conspiracy theories on 4chan that perpetuated the idea of a, quote, deep state conspiracy that was reminiscent of the Pizzagate conspiracy, which accused many famous individuals of being a part of a child trafficking and sexual abuse ring. There have been a lot of conversations as to whether or not the actual content was intended as a hoax. Uh, Who is Q? I've I've heard it's like basically the ultimate troll. I don't know. Right. But according to a report from the Institute for Strategic Dialogue, from October 2017 to June 2020, there have been more than 69 million tweets, 487,000 Facebook posts, and 281,000 Instagram posts and mentions of QAnon. So that's a lot. 
Right. Which honestly, for like Instagram and Facebook, I would think there's more, but there's a lot of private groups that we don't get to see. That's true. That is true. Um, and, and it has been interesting seeing the cracking down on that and what that will mean right. in the future. Uh, but we did want to talk more about social media. But first, we're, we're going to pause for one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Right. So we wanted to specifically talk about Instagram. One of the biggest keys to spreading this disinformation around has been through the usage of Instagram. Women are the main users for Instagram. Definitely more than half of the users, again, are women. So when you look at who is actually uh, looking through these posts, women. And it's not just a mention about QAnon theories, but influencers who have actually used their platform to help spread this disinformation, and not just by political or conservative fears, but by beauty, wellness, and celebrity influencers. According to researchers, influencers have used their soothing aesthetic as a way of seamlessly bringing in these conspiracies into their content. Uh, One of the researchers stated, women on Instagram are sugarcoating the dark stuff with the soothing graphic design we're used to associating with platforms like this. In his thread, he titled this conversation, The Pastel QAnon, which I thought was interesting. Um, And not surprisingly, the burden of the pandemic and childcare has added to the rise of what is being called Qstagram, which is only exacerbated by the many fear-mongering within the conspiracy theories, including the mass conspiracies, the 5G conspiracies, and yes, again, the satanical cabal of pedophiles in the government and Hollywood. Yeah, and and within that, there is something called uh, hashtag save the babies. Um, And this became a big proponent of QAnon spread, used once as an actual hashtag to bring awareness to human trafficking. It was co-opted to help spread and amplify QAnon's messaging and spread to the feeds of many American mothers. And though they may not um, straight out call themselves QAnon supporters. There are many who do believe the underlying evil is the reason for the, quote, fall of the country. And as journalism professor Rich Hanley states, the conspiracies, quote, seeped into the suburban consciousness of American women to a certain extent, and they bought into it. The key is children. And why is Instagram so effective? And why are hashtags like this so effective? Uh, Hanley explains that the usage of the vulnerability of the young and children helps to create an alternate reality and a cause to come together for. And as another professor stated, Instagram, quote, tends to have a stronger, more emotional appeal. So the overall appeal of social media has continued to instigate narratives like this because we know that most people who are following are following each other. Because we know that that the way people follow are following within their own social circle, which only encourages and builds on itself. So the echo chamber begins, and it feeds into the conspiracies even more without question, as they believe, because they know these people, that this post is trustworthy. Right, right. Um, And we can't talk about the extremism of today's conspiracies and movements without talking about some of the original history and motives used to continue the false narrative of supremacy. Um, and we've talked about it a little before when we referenced the continued situation of white women accusing black men and black people altogether of crime or ill intent. 
Um, the beginning of cases like the lynching of Emmett Till and the Tulsa massacre or Black Wall Street started with white women accusing black men of crimes they did not commit. Not too long ago, the woman who had accused Emmett Till admitted to lying about the incident. Right. Um, yeah, and it's impossible to ignore the continued ways that this is be still being used as white women are repeatedly seen using their, quote, fragile natures as becoming victims um, and kind of working for the demise of black men. And when we look at the many women who are using the fear of white genocide on top of their fragility, we find a dangerous precedent on who is considered to be the victims or who was at risk. Right. Um, and to put all of these extremist tactics, ideals, or conspiracies under misogyny may seem too simple, too easy, uh, perhaps too feminist. <gasps> And as some of the articles mentioned above as said, uh, too polarizing of men who want to be masculine men and women who want the traditional role of feminine women. But it's really hard not to see the correlation of how many of these movements are about preserving the sanctity of manhood and its traditional values within families and communities. Manosphere may have originated from the 70s during the second wave feminism, and many of these groups, such as trad wives and red pilling, are under this manosphere. Uh, men's rights groups, incel groups, and others are all part of this group, and there are many different factions to this sphere. <laughs> That's, I, they never call it a group, so I was like, I don't know how, I guess they're a sphere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to say that. Sphere. <laughs> words, right? uh, so these groups attract people through many different ways, including the ways we spoke of earlier. But the backing idea that has pushed for more members and female members is the idea that tradition was disappearing and that the feminist movement was the enemy, as it is feminism that has lessened the population because, you know, people, women want to work all of a sudden. They don't want to have babies. They don't want to get married. There's no childcare or maternity leave. Right. What? Right. It's sexual <laughs> awakening of women having sex without intent of getting pregnant. What? Mm -hmm. um, so this type of idea is what created angry men, right? That's what happened. Yeah. It's not that the, it was a man's fault. It was creating this, this resentment, feminism, essentially, yeah. who kill, hurt, or maim. And feminism is attacking the dignity and morality of masculinity. There are so many sites and posts and groups online. It's almost impossible to tackle them all. And I will tell you, y'all, looking at these sites kind of sucked the spirit out of my soul, the very little that I have. <laughs> but they are there. So a Mother Jones article actually has at least 18 different organizations under the Menosphere listed in one of their columns, which include the men's right activists and 4chan and now 8chan. Um, mm. But the growing amount of subreddits and YouTube channels and Telegram postings, which is one of the newer formats, uh, dedicated to women within those spheres are also growing and continue to rise in mainstream platforms like Instagram. Although, again, as of recent, as in the last week, Things have been slowly being shut down, but mm -hmm. I think the growing number of accounts is almost hard to control yeah. unless reported. So it's it's growing, and, you know, they tried to have their own site, but that got shut down. So it's going to be interesting to see how it continues to grow. Yeah, and, and as we've talked about this, there's just so many things we've seen lately um, that we could talk about in a future episode. I've especially been intrigued by this whole victim-blaming app aspect of people who are in these extremist groups really painting themselves as the victim. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. I, I took a deep dive in looking at specific women, such as uh, the mother of Kyle Rittenhouse, as well as the woman who uh, was with the bartender from Nashville who had the zip ties at the riot. Um, he had his mom, because he apparently lives with his mom, and they came together to fight to stop the steal, you know? Um, and it was really interesting to read and see these women talking about the fact that they're doing this for their children and they supported their children because what they're doing is right and why they're doing, why what they're doing is right. Of course, Rittenhouse has since then kind of been promoted by the Proud Boys as kind of a spokesperson, not a spokesperson, but kind of their little... uh, Poster boy. Yeah, poster boy almost, as well as the fact that uh, this Nashville dude was with his mom and she was helping him, providing for him. And she was protecting him. At one point, you see a video of him. And yeah, we've seen so many videos recently. But a video of him talking to someone about them, you know, storming the Capitol. And the mom stops and she's like, who are you with? Are you mainstream media? Are you trying to out my son? I have to protect my son. Like, she was very adamant and was right behind him in storming that Capitol. So it's really interesting to see these narratives become, I'm doing this for my son which is that whole white baby challenge, that that narrative that has become a part of why they feel this is important and how scary it is that they are encouraging these extremist and violent ideas and rhetorics as a part of getting back their traditions and values. Right, yeah. And there's been a lot of articles written too about the gamification of all of this and feeling like you're being a hero. And, uh, right. Yeah, so there's a lot we could talk about, um, and there's a lot that we covered here. Um, but today, we we were specifically looking at uh, the influence of tactics of extremist women in the alt-right movement. Um, and yeah, uh, being a, a loving mother who stays home is amazing. Being a supportive wife is amazing. Um, but just to reiterate, uh, we are talking about the usage of these things in a way to encourage and push forward narratives of extremist, like white supremacy and dangerous conspiracies, the way those things have been weaponized and used. Um, and this is just a little bit of what exists out there in terms of information. So I'm sure uh, we have more. A lot. There's more. And we don't there's do more. You've won a prize. Or have you lost everything? Uh, yeah. So if there's any aspect of this you listeners would like us to to go more in depth on or any resources that you have, mm-hmm. um, please send them our way. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Instagram at stuffmomnevertoldyou or on Twitter at momstuffpodcast. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Oh, thanks. And thanks to you for listening. Stefan Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs> 